What is going on, friends and fans? Ryan Dorn here, and welcome to the big show for this month. We've got some great listener questions. Mark from Phoenix has got a crazy boss. Tina from my hometown there in Chicago. Having trouble getting her customers to share their webcams on virtual meetings. Got an answer for you. Renee from Minneapolis. COVID layoffs are hurting her office. Robert in D.C. Talking about texting prospects. Got a great answer there. Mike Obert from Open Look will help me dissect those questions. How about Charity Huff? She's coming up from January spring. We'll talk about digital sales strategy. Websites to watch with uh, David Walsh from Web Publisher Pro. And I'm going to be talking today about the simple fact that, friends, there has never been a better time to advertise than right now. Why aren't people buying what we're selling? Statistically, there's never been a better time to advertise. And I'm going to prove it. Friends, that's all coming up next here on the podcast. Stick around, stay close. Here we go. From the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. Thanks, Deborah. Thanks, everybody. How you doing, friends and fans? Welcome to the podcast this month. Sure glad to have you here with us. We've got some great listener questions. Mike Obert from Open Look Business Solutions and I are going to dissect those. Great digital sales advice from Charity Huff at January Spring and David Walsh. Straight ahead with websites to watch. You know, I don't know if you were like me, but... You know, there's just some funkiness in the air. And I'm not talking about a smell or, or something like that. I'm just talking about being funky out there. It's it's as if folks just don't want to, our advertisers just don't want to believe the reality that is in front of us. It actually is a, a bit of a strange phenomenon. There's a professor, Adrian Brody, that is a professor at Wake Forest University. And he said that humans are hardwired to dismiss facts that they don't find fit their viewpoint. How about that? So we saw that kind of in the political turmoil uh, of the past couple of months. And I also think we see that in the ad sales land. Let me explain. I've got coaching clients, just like all of you, sales warriors in the media business in all walks of life all around the globe. I've got Sarah that's over in Singapore. I've got Peter and his team that's done in Australia. I've got John and a bunch of folks that are up in, in Toronto. And uh, we've got folks here in the United States, obviously, as well. Here's what's interesting is that I've got an ad study back from sales reps, just like all of you. And every Friday, my coaching clients, they report back to me. I ask them this simple question on an online survey. What type of buyer, what type of advertiser did you meet with this week? What was the most predominantly heavy area as it relates to personality. Were you meeting with ego-driven people predominantly this week? Were you meeting with logical people this week? Or were you meeting with emotional people this week? Now, we do this study every single Friday, and we tabulate those results, and they don't change a whole lot throughout the year, but boy, did they change between the years 2019 and 2020. So as of the recording of this podcast, we've got our latest numbers in place. You take a stab at the numbers and maybe just say it out loud as you're listening to the podcast. What percentage of your fellow media sales warriors, what percentage reported back that they met with ego-driven personalities last week? What percentage of your media sales warriors, your fellow peers, 
in media sales, consumer and B2B, magazines, newspaper, radio, TV, you name it. What percentage did said they met with people that were logical last week? And then what percentage said they met with people that were pretty darn emotional last week? How about this? The number of ego-driven people did not really change much between 2019 and 2020. As of last week, about 5% of reps reported that they predominantly met with ego-driven individuals last week. Interestingly enough, sorry to all you former agency media buyers out there, um, the report was lots of ego last week, but only 5%. Only 5% of the people they met with were ego-driven. And of that 5%, a lot were agency buyers. Hmm, interesting. No hatred, no hatred for the agencies out there. Love you guys, appreciate you. All right, how about the logical piece? Down 9%. Logical buyers representing 21% of the buyers that your fellow media sales warriors encountered last week. Meaning logical. What does logical mean? Those advertisers that simply bought based on nothing but the numbers. Just the facts, Jack. Just the numbers out there. 21%. Now what's interesting is the number of of emotional buyers out there. Up 9%. Last week reported from 2019 to 2020, up 9% in last week at 74%. 74% of those that I'm working with regularly are telling me that, hey, these folks are pretty darn emotional right now. Now, it doesn't mean they don't use any logic in the process of making decisions, but what they're doing is they're showing us they're very emotional in the way that they're buying. It's a lot about how they feel, regardless of the facts that are being presented to them. Now, you know this is true because logically we tell people you want to make sure you're in front of your customers in multiple ways on multiple days. It's a high frequency game. Major marketers out there, your Cokes, your Red Lobsters, your Tides, Procter & Gamble, etc., they get it. They recognize and they know what our models tell us. Our models tell us, which are backed up by Nielsen, data from eMarketer, from the Association of Magazine Media. At a minimum, a customer of yours, Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser, is going to need to see your marketing message a minimum of 10 times in three different media channels over a 30-day period of time before you're going to get the ROI bump that you desire. Now, every category is slightly different in the response time and how dense maybe people are or whatever the circumstance is. But we all recognize, and we have for years, that frequency is the key. Unless you're selling a George Foreman grill or a Ginsu knife or the Thighmaster. But wait, there's more, right? So when you think about this, I really do believe that we're at a point in time in history where advertising is really, really important and should be easier to sell than ever before. There's also some pretty big factors in play. Social media, specifically Facebook and Twitter. No matter where it is that you fall in the political spectrum, I don't care uh, for this conversation. But the simple fact that Facebook and Twitter and other social media channels have a little bit of a black eye right now from about 70-some million Americans, you've got to ask yourself, is it now a great time to be advertising and and aligning with Facebook and Twitter? I think the answer probably for a lot of advertisers is, I don't know. The other thing is, think about this. All throughout COVID, what did mass businesses do? 
They stopped advertising a lot in traditional media, unfortunately, and they went all digital. Now we're reaching digital saturation from a media perspective. So when I'm talking to my advertisers, I think there's a lot of other things besides that. We'll talk more, but there's a lot of things in play here. Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser. So you love social media. What are you doing to be different? Everybody's on social media. Social media is really, really saturated right now. Digital, quite honestly, is pretty darn saturated. What are you doing to stand out from the crowd in a digitally cluttered, digitally saturated landscape? What's interesting is for those of you that sell traditional media is that we see in almost all of our research that one of the best drivers of social media activity and search activity, Google, etc., comes from traditional media sources. I truly think when you look at media as it is right now, people are beginning to realize, wow, social media is cool, but it's, it's pretty creepy in how they keep track of everything that we do. Now, I'm not anti-digital. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk with Charity here in a minute about more digital. I'm all about the digital game, but I just recognize that digital, social, just one part of the greater puzzle. Really, friends, friends, what is the marketing trifecta, if you will? What is the marketing triangle of success? It's going to be a little social. It's going to be a little digital. It's going to be a little traditional because events really aren't in play right now, right? Virtual events, eh, wah, wah, wah. I mean, they're fine. But really, the trifecta right now is going to be separating social and digital. I mean, they're both technically digital. Social and digital. And having traditional media in the mix as a differentiating factor. Because Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser, if you want to be dominant in your marketplace, you have to do what others can't do. You've got to do what others either don't know how to do or you've got to do what others think they need to do but can't execute because of budget or whatever the circumstance is. Think about this, friends. Digital is kind of the, the bare minimum. Like you're not doing Facebook? What? I mean, that's like the bare minimum. You're not doing something digitally. That's like the bare minimum. We've got to raise the bar or set the bar. And that's one of the things I want you to consider. Controlling that narrative. If you're going to be competitive, Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser, in a particular space, category, or whatever, B2B or consumer, there's a certain minimum number of things that you need to do in any given 30-day period just to be competitive. Well, but Ryan, I need to find out their needs and their, their goals and their desires, and then I'll, I'll build them this custom media plan. Well, that sounds great, except you're missing out on one fundamental factor of advertising, and that is there's minimums. You can't just say, well, I'm going to be the biggest, battered, and best, but what I'm going to do is spend $50 to do it, but I'm just going to spend the $50 the right way. You're not going to be biggest, baddest, and best in doing that because it's not about your budget. It's about the reality of marketing in your sector or your community or your category. So you got 10 bucks and you want to be competitive. You've got a thousand bucks and you want to be competitive. What does your category demand? Here's where we go wrong all the time in ad sales land with our needs assessments. Oh my gosh, friends, you've heard me talk about it for months. I get so much hate mail about this. Just follow me on this. Most customer needs assessments don't identify needs. They identify wants. 
What does the customer want? Give them what they want and you'll have a customer for a lifetime. No, you won't. In the marketing business, if you give them what they want, you'll have a customer for a short period of time. If the want doesn't match the need, it doesn't matter what category you're in. Insurance, hospitality, local dining. There is a certain bar, a minimum, that a business, a company needs to do just to be competitive out there in their category, sector, or business. And you've got to tell them what it is. You are 70% more likely to close business when you recommend what somebody needs to do as opposed to what they want to do. But Ryan, how do we convince them of that? Tell them. Show it to them. Contrast. Compare if you want to close. Friends, people have been putting off significant buys for quite some time. COVID forced them into that scenario. Now with vaccinations rolling out, restrictions being lifted, people are going to come back online. Are you, Mr. or Mrs. Business Owner, going to be ready? Doesn't matter if you're local, national, or global. Are you going to be positioned ahead of time to take advantage of the bump that's going to occur? COVID went up and COVID's going down. Demand for products is going up and it's going to go higher than it ever has before. Are you going to be positioned correctly? Think about it, friends. You're dealing with a lot of emotional people, 74%. Guide them, lead them, help them understand what they need to do to be successful. So many options that are out there. So how do you whittle it down? Common scenarios. What I do is I look at every category of business. There's a common scenario for every category. Guide them towards that common scenario. Customize if you must. Customize if you will. That's fine to make somebody feel better about the circumstance or to get them better ROI. But just recognize, friends, if you let your customers guide the sale, guess what? They almost always buy less than when you recommend things to them. It happens almost every time. I believe with what's in play, you watch the Netflix uh, movie documentary, The Social Dilemma. We've got Apple iOS and Chrome about to block all cookies. Some of those things have already happened. I believe, friends, we're going to see a traditional media resurgence. Is it ever going to be the way that it was in the 80s? No, but neither is the music ever going to be the way it was in the 80s, right? Who's with me on that? Rock on. When you think about it, friends, now is a great time to be in the media business. When you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor, you've got to say to yourself, I am going to sell media today because it's a great time in history to sell media. There has not been a better time. Demand is going to be on the rise. People are demanding products and services. Folks are digitally saturated. Embrace the digital, but then also recognize that traditional has a viable and robust piece of the puzzle, of the marketing trifecta. Friends, you control you. As a matter of fact, I believe that so much, I bought the domain name, youcontrolyou.com. Don't let others guide your day. You guide the day. You be the light at the top of that mountain. You be the one that's out there saying, hey, friends, get on board or you're going to get left behind. Advertisers, embrace the light. Embrace what's happening. Let's get together and figure it out because we know from past success what we need to do tomorrow to help make you crazy kinds of successful. 
Find your joy, friends, in selling media. Because, friends, we're back. And we're back with a fervor. And if you say it with me, friends, say it now. Say it loud and say it proud. If ad sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not. Because we're crazy, right? No, friends. Well, we are a little bit. We found careers that'll feed our families for a lifetime. I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach if I didn't have some sponsors here of the show. So stick around and stay close. We'll be back in 30 seconds. These are some companies that are there to take care of you and make your ad sales life even better. More straight ahead here on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. We'll be right back in 30 seconds. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by the strategy and design team at Web Publisher Pro. When it's time for your media company to have a top-notch website that is designed for optimal revenue potential, turn to David and the creative team at Web Publisher Pro. Learn more online at webpublisherpro.com. Thank you to the team over at OpenLook Business Solutions. Outsource sales tasks, data cleanup, telemarketing, design tasks, or hire a virtual assistant. Reach out to Mike at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Thank you to the fine folks at January Spring. If you are looking to grow revenue by offering white-label digital services like SEO, social media, or programmatic ads, reach out to Charity over at JanuarySpring.com. Charity loves to strategize about growing revenue. You sell it and January Spring fulfills it. Learn more online at JanuarySpring.com. Okay, now back to the show. Here's your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans, you know one of my favorite parts of the podcast every month is when we dial in Charity Huff, dial in, dial in Charity Huff from January Spring uh, out in uh, in, in Denver. All the way from Denver, yeah. Colorado. I know, it's like a lot more, it's it's really a lot more technical than dialing in, but anyway, <laughs> that's my old radio days, um, dialing in. <laughs> hey, um, Charity, I can only imagine that you are having media companies, local, national, consumer B2B, now beginning to ask about OTT, so that's over-the-top um, advertising. Are you hearing it come up in conversations? Is it a big deal? Is it not a big deal? What's your thoughts on OTT? This is the topic of 2021. The big guys have been talking about it and adopting it. Like you see all of the major car brands, um, a ton of national brands moving into this, and it is pulling us local regional advertisers right into it. And, you know, let me help with some definitions, Ryan, because it sounds weird, like OTT, CTV, OTT over the top television is the big screen. So when you're watching Roku or Sling or Disney Plus or whatever you're streaming and you're doing it on your television, that's OTT. When you're doing the same things on your laptop or your tablet, that's CTV. It's connected TV. It's dumb that they have different names, but don't worry about it. It's just big screen versus small screen. And you want to hit people in both ways. No, it makes sense. Multiple ways and multiple days, friends. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So um, just so we're really clear with folks, because whenever we talk about new stuff, we tend to go quickly and people are like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? So OTT over the top. You're sitting there, friends, and you're watching a streaming channel on Discovery Plus. You're watching the Magnolia Network or whatever it is on Discovery Plus. Yes, our friend Joanna Gaines. Love that lady. Oh, my gosh. We just can't get enough of Chip and Joanna, right? So you're watching along, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, they're like, we'll be right back. And then you see commercials playing 
which right. at your home, like my home in Augusta, Georgia, I might see local advertising. Mm-hmm. Typically on a streaming channel, that's considered OTT. You can sell that space to yes. local advertisers, national advertisers, etc. You yep. use someone like January Spring to plan and execute those type of things. Um, how do I do? Pretty good on that No, that's spot on. <laughs> and the reason you use somebody like us, if I can share, is that we can use all the same targeting that we do with display advertising. So you can target people at an address level. You can target them based off of their behavior, what keywords they're searching for, what websites they've been to, even if it's not on that television, even if it's on another device in their house, we can do the cross device targeting. And then we can target people based off of their demographics, their buying behavior, who they are, um, just from a a profile standpoint. So you can get hyper-targeted, which means you don't have to have a gazillion impressions Uh or these crazy number of um, spots that you would used to have to do in broadcast in order to be really effective. Yeah. I mean, if not you, then who? Someone else is going to do it. Now, for all the B2B folks um, that are out there, I don't want you to feel left out that have national customers and national readership or viewership or whatever. Let me give an example on how you could use OTT. Let's just say that you're a magazine, 15,000 readers, you're subscription-based, you have the addresses of all your readers. Charity's going to take that readership information, load it into her database. Let's just say that you target engineers and you've got, I don't know, a microscope that every engineer needs. I'm making that up. Bad example. Anyway, you could say to your advertiser, I know where the engineers live. We know that they're watching streaming TV. You want to promote your, your microscope. We can do that. An engineer sitting in, you know, wherever it is, Montana, is watching Discovery Plus, and you can serve ads to that engineer based on them being your subscriber. And there you go. You've got another scenario. Um, Once we get back to live events, which, fingers crossed, this fall, rock and roll, Mm we'll get back to live events. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So we can take data from a trade show. We can follow up with these people while they're watching streaming devices and programming of the people that participated as sponsors of that large-scale trade show. So local or national friends, uh, we've got it uh, really covered. So any idea where OTT came from? What was that all about? I I don't know. It's a terrible name. Yeah. It's a terrible name. But then again, people are like programmatic. Programmatic is like an umbrella that covers a multitude. Including OTT. Including OTT. So there you go. To create more confusion is a part of it all, right? So friends, our industry does that well. I know. So friends, maybe, you know, you don't know where to start with OTT, but I'm telling you right now, especially those of you that do local and regional work, media work, you better get on board or someone else is going to steal that inventory and that opportunity for you more than anything. So reach out to Charity, uh, charity at JanuarySpring.com. And she loves to uh, strategize about it. So let me wrap up with this in any given week, month or whatever. How many OTT conversations are you now having? Oh, uh, at least two a day. Wow. Okay, friends, you heard it here first. Get on board or get lost, I guess, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> we want we want you to earn this, this buy and we want to place it for you. So let's do it. Thanks so much, Charity. We appreciate you very much and your support. JanuarySpring.com, friends, to find out more about working with Charity and the fine folks at January Spring. All right, friends and fans, I love to sit down and uh, chat with David Walsh from Web Publisher Pro. Uh, as we look at our websites to uh, to watch this month, 
And uh, David, as we pick these out, we're always looking for websites that uh, have got some great revenue potential and some areas that have been redesigned. One of the ones that uh, we want to showcase uh, this month is seattleschild.com, uh, which I know you had a, a hand in. It's great to know. Um, one of the things that you pointed out to me I thought was great was that they've got an events calendar over on Seattle's Child on the right side that is um, that's sponsored. Kind of where did that come from and how does that play out uh, on the website? I, I love that idea. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. So uh, on Seattle's Child, the interesting thing is they were generating a huge amount of traffic on their calendar, and we wanted to look at how to monetize the calendar. Um, so they really uh, turned this into a well-monetized section of their site. Uh, they offer sponsored events so people can pay to submit events. They have their display advertising where they're offering a nice um, assortment of various banner ad sizes. So they're now offering this uh, sponsorship for their entire calendar. Uh, mm -hmm. They were able to go out and sell the calendar sponsorship to the Seattle Aquarium. Um, and you'll see as you look around through their site, whether it's in the sidebar widgets or on the calendar landing page by the search or individual events, you'll constantly see this sponsored by Seattle Aquarium. Um, they did this in a way that appears to be easy to change in and out um, as you want to offer the sponsorship to different uh, uh, venues or sponsors in the area. Um, and it's really like a title uh, sponsor, featured sponsor for the entire calendar, uh, which is a great revenue generator. It is, especially as we um, you know, get the vaccine rolled out. And uh, hopefully by the time people hear the podcast, we'll have the first round completely out to people. And folks are going to be looking to, you know, to get back into action. But I notice on their calendar now is there's a lot of virtual events that are sponsored. So I think as people either get more locked down or come out of lockdown safely, um, events are going to be uh, everything. It's going to be all the rage, especially once people can really get out and about uh, in, in a safe way. So Seattle's Child's nice design, clean, simple, straightforward. But I love that uh, calendar sponsorship makes a makes a ton of sense. So good job on that. I was um, also um, I've got uh, some friends up in Canada. Uh, the website is travelweek.ca. Travelweek.ca, and um, there were a bunch of different things that I was looking at that I, I liked on the on the site. First, you know, I'm kind of a fan of blue for those of you that know me. But I love the fact that I'm able to scroll and, and kind of in just one screenshot get the headlines, the news feed. I can subscribe. I see an ad. I can go all, all the social channels. I'm not having to. So I really like how they use the landscape of the page to give me a real nice snapshot of everything that I needed. But one of the things I'd love from a designer's perspective, your thought on, so I love the fact that they've got banner advertising, display advertising at the top of the site. I love the fact they're selling ads. But I've note, I wonder if they would either even get further with their advertisers if they took those banner ads from the top and as people scrolled, if those banner ads would float, so to speak. What's that called? How do people do it? I, I think it's a real good way to handle online display. Yeah, we see that a lot with, uh, we call it uh, sticky ads or floating ads. Um, you can use various terms, but the, uh, you know, it gives you a differentiation between the content and the ads. Um, they have one that's really nice, uh, kind of in the middle of the page for this Explore VR. Um, and it gives a great contrast to kind of the rest of their content that's either headlines without photos or they stack it more on a vertical uh, column basis but then right in the middle of the page of this really uh, beautiful ad that's horizontal full width um, and it really gives the advertiser a lot because it draws 
the reader's eyes fully to the ad, and it's just the thing that is entirely captivating them. No, that's great. You know, one of the things I like about the floating ads that float at the top or the bottom is that you don't lose the advertiser. Now, when now when it moves into mobile responsive, like so if this site had the floating online display ads and it moved onto a mobile phone, would the mobile ads serve then and would the mobile ads float or how does that change from a design perspective? Yeah, typically we're uh, still seeing the floating ads uh, on mobile and possibly just uploading a variation in size for creative. So, uh, you know, you can still give your advertiser nice real estate with a smaller screen width. Um, so that's kind of the big thing to focus on is the uh, varied size for the uh, mobile display or if you're using like a flex ad unit that's going to automatically adjust. Now that's great. So um, the two websites to watch this month uh, that Dave and I looked at, uh, Seattle's with an S, seattleschild.com. Uh, check them out for that calendar sponsorship, which is great. Congrats on that. And then the other one uh, where we were talking about uh, layout design and moving some on on display. Uh, good job. Congrats to our friends over at uh, travelweek.ca. Uh, so uh, it's David Walsh from uh, Web Publisher Pro. And hey, I, I guess never been a better time to get that uh, website, those websites refreshed and touched up. Then as we kick off a new year in 21, I guess, huh? Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, seeing a lot of publishers uh, looking at how do they advance digital uh, after the year that we had in 2020. Right. And uh, we're always here to help. So uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, friends. So reach out to David. He's uh, responsible for uh, all the work that we do uh, online over 360adsales.com and, and so much great stuff. So good work from David Walsh and his team, webpublisherpro.com. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. Yeah, thank you. All right, friends and fans, that time of the program every month where Mike Obert dials in from Texas. We answer uh, your listener questions. Hey, friends, thanks for sending them in over to Ryan at RyanDorn.com, D-O-H-R-N, Ryan at RyanDorn.com. And I've got those Sell It Like Dorn shirts that I'm going to be sending out, Mike, if you want a picture. I want one. If you want a I picture want one of me. <laughs> Send me an XL. It's um, it's it's crazy. I um, somebody sent me a picture of them wearing this Ryan Dorn shirt, and I was like, you, "That's just crazy." Um, so I thought it was just—it's kind of fun. It's got my face on the front with my arms in the air. It says "Sell it like Dorn" on there, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's anyway, uh, we got questions from Mark, Tina, Renee, and and Robert, and we appreciate all of your questions. And Mike and I love to dissect them. So, all right. Um, so uh, Mike, let's start off with Mark from Phoenix, and Mark has this uh, question. My boss insists on 40 phone calls per day. Since COVID hit, I'm able to reach maybe 10 of the 40 per day. He says, this seems like a waste of time. Any thoughts, any ideas, any help is uh, is appreciated. And uh, Mike, I don't know how you feel about it. My thought would be, if you're getting through to 10 of 40, that, that's actually not bad numbers. I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you, what do you think, Mike? Is it good, no, bad, or what do you yeah, think? Yeah, that's pretty good. So a lot of our uh, Legion telemarketing projects that we've worked on, usually you're trying to go for like a 40% connect rate. So uh, a 10%, I mean, a 25% in this example might be a little bit low, but still, I think it's pretty solid. If you're talking to 10 people a day, um, I would think, though, the 40 calls per day would be a, a little lower than what I would expect. Um, I would try to be reaching out to, to more people than just 40 people in a day. Yeah. And so the other piece of it is could be, uh, Mark, is that use voicemail to your advantage as well. I mean, just because somebody doesn't pick up the phone. Remember, one of the things I talk about in training and teaching is don't ask people to call you back. Instead, use the voicemail to get a reply to the email 
that you just sent. So you could potentially uh, do that as well. And then, um, you know, Mike, I say all the time, you, you kind of need to do what your boss says, even, <laughs> even if you don't agree. What's your thought on that? No, I, yeah, I agree on that. Yeah, that's probably going to make them happy. Yes. Yeah. So um, I'm also yeah, I think I, better. And better, I like your uh, voicemail well. being a touch point. Uh, I think that's great. Yeah, it works really well. And by the way, I don't introduce myself. I'll usually just say, hey, Mike, sent you an email with the subject line such and such. Um, could you give me a quick reply to that? I'd appreciate it. Oh, by the way, it's Ryan Dorn calling or, you know, or whatever the circumstances. So, yeah. um, Hey, it's good to know about your connection rates on the telemarketing, um, side of things. So do you feel like if people can get to say 30, 40%, they're doing pretty good. Is that your thought then? Uh, yes, I think you're doing pretty good if you get to 30 to 40%. And it also depends on the type of person you're calling. So C, C-suite people, it's going to be a little bit lower. Maybe that's 25%. Maybe that's the type of people that they're calling on. Um, some of your marketing people and other mom and pop type businesses, it's going to be a little bit higher than that. Right. And also, uh, Mark, you might want to pre precede the phone call. So what I mean by that is pre is in P-R-E, seed, S-E-E-D, precede the phone call by either sending something in a plain manila envelope addressed to that person on that letter that you write, which is old school, but it still works. Um, hey, I'm going to be calling you next week or in an email. Hey, I'm going to call you next week or an email before the phone call that says, hey, I'm going to be calling you tomorrow. So that when it, when it pops up. Now, I live in South Carolina. My phone pops up funky to people. So I tell them, hey, you might see a phone number from North Augusta pop up. That's going to be me. And people have said, oh, I didn't know who it was. So all those different things, yeah. Mark, uh, noodle it around and think think about it. Any other thoughts, Mike, on that one? Uh, no. Okay, cool. <laughs> I think you nailed it all. There you go. Awesome. Okay, uh, next one um, from uh, kind of my hometown, Chicago. Tina from Chicago asks, I say kind of my hometown. I grew up in the general area. I really can't say Chicago, though, because it's two hours away. But anyway, Tina from Chicago go asks, Bears. <laughs> go Bears, go Cubs. I'm not having any luck getting my clients to share their webcams during virtual meetings. Ooh, good question, Tina. I want to see their mm -hmm. face to better react to their emotions what can I do? Um, Mike, you want to take that one? Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, we do a ton of uh, calls on Zoom or Skype. So, number one thing is, you know, you can ask permission or ask them and say, hey, you know, do you mind turning on your, your camera? If they don't, that's fine. But I will say you, just you having your camera on um, has a big impact on your sales call. And it's a more personal touch. Even though if you don't, if they can't, if you can't see them, um, just you being on the camera, I, I think has a really big impact on the sales, uh, sales call. You know, something like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, something like 70% of what you communicate is seen, uh, and, and the rest is heard obviously. Um, so I really feel like you miss out a lot and they miss out on a lot, um, in terms of what you, you look like. I think I follow the same advice you're given, um, on that mic and I'll say, Hey, love to, you know, you want to share your webcam, love to see your smiling face. And sometimes I say, oh, no, my, my camera's not working or, or something like that. Now, side note, Tina, it's possible they think their camera's on and it's really not. Or they might have one of those little sticky things over their camera. So you'd want to also be really good at your technology so you can walk people through. Here's what I like to think about. Get good enough at it that you could walk your mom or your dad or your aunt walk them through setting it up on the other side. So like, for example, mm. on GoToMeeting, I would say, hey, Mike, okay, you see the upper right-hand corner? Yeah. Do you see where there's a gear, like a sprocket up there? Yeah. Click there. Okay. Do you see down below where it says such and such? Now, it's important, friends. I'm on a Mac. 
um, like all the cool kids. I'm on a Mac, and uh, <laughs> that one was for Matt. Matt Walls up in uh, Minnesota. Um, I've, I'm on a Mac, and so it looks different for me. So what I did is got my son, uh, Ethan, his PC, looked at it on his PC of what it would look like there so I can talk either person through. Um, how many virtual yeah. meetings you, are you doing, um, Mike, kind of in general in any given uh, week or month or whatever? Boy, today alone, I've been on eight to nine virtual yep. Yep. Zoom calls um, yep. talking to people. Same thing happened to me today where I got on with somebody who didn't really want to do it. I'm like, dude, I haven't seen you in months. <laughs> Turn yeah. on your camera. Yeah. Right and uh, he, he did. And he was like, yeah, you know what? I'm glad I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice seeing you. Yeah. No, so, um, yeah. No, I, I highly encourage it. All right. Very cool. So, Tina, get good at your technology and just encourage him. But you share your camera. Um, Renee from uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Renee from MSP is our next uh, listener question. Thanks, Renee. Um, this is a tough one, Mike. I'm the only salesperson left after COVID layoffs. I'm overwhelmed and underwater. I truly cannot do it all. I'm feeling for you, Renee. But she says, I feel like I must do it or I'm going to lose my job. Help. And um, so if you don't mind, Mike, can I, I'll take this one first and then get your thoughts if that's cool. Yeah, let's do um, it. So Renee, here's the thing. First, you're not alone. A lot of people are in the circumstance. We're all being asked to do so much more um, with less. I would encourage you to sit down with your boss, the owner, whatever the circumstances, uh, get really clear on expectations, list those expectations out from their perspective and also from your perspective. Then maybe do a list like a pros and a cons list in terms of, you know, on the left, these are the things I know I can do and are mission critical that I do. And then on the right, um, you know, they're the things that you can't do. Um, and then what I think I would personally do is I would call Mike Obert from Open Look Business Solutions <laughs> is what I would do. So, Mike, I'm just going to go ahead and softball this over. You don't usually do a promo, but if you don't mind, tell Renee what you could do to help her or what your people could do. Oh, yeah, when I read this question, I was like, you need to outsource some stuff. So we have seen over the last three to six months that we have picked up a ton of projects and customers. Uh, that are in the same exact situation that you are, that people have been like, oh, there's not enough people, there's not enough resources, and people need to pick up that work. So uh, we picked up a, a ton of ad design work where they don't have enough designers on staff uh, to do these ads for new advertisers, people wanting to change their ads. So people are sending over a lot of that work to us. Anything like lead generation, even some uh, some cold calling, uh, we'll do those type of projects as well. So I've seen a big uptick in people that are looking for other resources to help them out to get the job done. Now, that's great. So basically, anything from data cleanup, uh, telemarketing to set appointments, uh, surveys, ad design. I mean, there, there's not a whole lot, um, including sales. There's not a whole lot that your teams don't do. I mean, that's pretty pretty fair do you maybe they don't fry chicken i don't i don't know but well, i can't pick up your dry cleaning right <laughs> or fried chicken but they they are doing just about any task that people publishers or media companies have been asking them yeah and the other piece of it is i'll say this for mike is um um it's really an affordable solution i think a lot of people feel like oh it's be kind of expensive it's it's really affordable and one of the things i love about mike open look um you know kevin etc from open look queenie is that they just do a really, really great job and they take a lot of pride in their work. So I, that Renee, I would encourage you to reach out to, uh, uh, to Mike. So good question. Hey, um, that was a good softball, Ryan. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> All right. Last question that uh, comes uh, from Robert from DC. And uh, he asks, 
have attitudes have attitudes about texting as a part of the prospecting process changed since COVID hit? I am reluctant to text customers before I speak to them. Any data or thoughts on this? Um, Mike, I know we've had this one before, but we really haven't talked about it in terms of pre-COVID, post-COVID, so to speak, whatever that means. Um, you want to take a take a shot at that one real quick? So uh, pre-COVID, when we were talking about text messaging, I would only do that with customers uh, that I had some sort of relationship with. Um, Post-COVID, because there wasn't as many face-to-face meetings going on, um, mm-hmm. I didn't have a problem texting customers that I thought were in my wheelhouse. Now, that means if it was just a total cold, cold call and I didn't know anything about the person, I'm not going to be texting them. But if I knew about the business, um, mm-hmm. if there was something that they knew about us, then I had no problem starting the conversation uh, over a text message and then you know turning that into some sort of meeting or phone call. Right on, right on. I've uh, Mike, I have had quite a few people ask me about this uh, in the midst of COVID and before and now, obviously, Robert asking uh, afterwards. And I've noticed there's a general consensus, whether you're a millennial, you're a boomer, a Gen X or whatever. And that is, if I've never spoken to you before, please exhaust every other method of reaching me before you text me is is moderately universal. Um, even in the midst of COVID, et cetera. However, I have noticed because a lot of people's office phones just aren't being answered that I will every now and again get a text. Hey, I tried to reach you on the phone um, and I saw your cell phone numbers on your on your business card and thought I would reach out to you this way. When can we set up a call? So I feel like if someone puts their cell phone number on their business card, it's sort of open game. But I personally, eh, I'm not an old school sales rep, but I try to act like one some days. <laughs> and um <laughs> And I personally try to email and call them first before I text them. But I've only had a couple of negative experiences with with texts. I would say, though, just blind solicitations like, hey, can we talk about marketing? I think that's a little bit vague. I think I would try to reach out to somebody like maybe just as an example, you might be saying, hey, uh, Mike, we've got a deadline coming up of related to such and such. I think you guys would be really perfect for this. That's the reason I decided to text you. Or maybe yep. even say, hey, forgive the intrusion via text. I've been trying to reach you, and this is the reason why. I feel like short you give and them, sweet. Yeah, keep it short and sweet uh, would, yep. be the, would be the thought. I am getting a lot more people, though, that are reaching out to me via text in a prospecting kind of process. And I would admit it's a little annoying, to be honest. Do you get many spammers? Uh, I do. Yeah, I'm getting I'm, – I'm seeing more. Um, but it, it doesn't bother me so much as you know just deleting and going to the next one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have seen an increase of people that are trying to reach me over text. Yeah. Now, also keep in mind, Robert and everybody with this advice, everybody listening uh, to the podcast. Thanks for that, uh, by the way. Um, you're going to get a hater um, every now and again. Um, people always like to say, if you don't have at least a couple of haters, you're nobody. You'll know you've arrived. And you've got a couple <laughs> haters or you've been sued, you know. So don't be dissuaded if you get a couple people that don't like your methods or don't like the texting or whatever. But I give it a shot. I also think one other thing, Mike, before we wrap up the show, um, is that it really also depends upon your industry. I feel like the more tech industry you are, maybe the more you could potentially, um, you know, get away with it. But before I text somebody, I would go to LinkedIn and I tried a LinkedIn message to give them an in-mail on LinkedIn or go over go. to hunter.io and find their email address and see if I can't uh, you know, uh, hunter.io and get an email address, uh, you know, that's, yeah. uh, that's on there. So, uh, my yep. whole things are going great in, uh, uh, the new year here, 2021, uh, for you. I hope some big things are happening over there at open look. 
Yep, we're off to a really good start. Like I said, uh, Q3, Q4 uh, were really good months uh, for us, and starting off this year has been great. So thanks. Uh, if anybody you know needs anything, just reach out, and I'm at mike at open-look.com. Awesome. Mike at open-look.com, friends, and uh, Michael, join us uh, every month. Keep your listener questions coming. We've got some T-shirts to send your way. Um, and they're they're pretty, they're pretty funny. I'll send you one. They're pretty funny. They're pretty funny. And um, and so glad to have uh, you here with us, Mike, as uh, as we talk about it. So sure appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much. Nice, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure, friend. And we look forward to having you on the show all throughout uh, 2021. So, all right, friends. Well, that's the show for this month. Sure, glad uh, to have all of you with us here, uh, the Ad Sales Nation uh, family. And I'm back on the road, so COVID is behind me, and I'm glad to be back speaking to uh, groups large and small, and of course. Uh, maybe virtual training is better for you and your organization. That is absolutely fine as well. Got about six new topics this year um, that we're teaching on as I'm on the road. So um, we did a big study of proposals. We can tell you what's working or not working with proposals. We've got a new look at uh, the prospecting process. And, uh, of course, uh, when you're hosting these sales calls, what can you do to be bigger, badder, and better? So all kinds of new topics we can teach you virtually or live. 360adsales.com is the website for all the information you need about being the best ad sales rep possible. And if you're not in the media sales business, but you like this podcast, uh, go check out the Ryan Dorn Business Show. It's all about sales and marketing, and we don't talk so much about media, but love the media business. All right, friends, reach out to us, 360adsales.com, or check me out over at ryandorn.com. And don't forget, friends, if ad sales was easy, everybody be doing it, and they're not. So we're either crazy... <laughs> which is possible, or we found careers that will feed our families for a lifetime. God bless. We'll see you out on the street.